Lock us in. Load us in. Pop in that A-track. Spin the tape. Here we go. Welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars Time, and yes, we are on the Star Wars Time Podcast Network. Woohoo! If you listened to our intro episode, sorry you had to go through that, but we, we just wanted to get a quick episode out there for any new fans and really just to build up some sort of an episode log for Star Wars Time Show on its own podcast feed now. Life is good. So what we're going to do in this episode, this isn't going to be one of our traditional long-winded, match drunk, Nick's not, uh, twisty-turvy, tangent-like cast. This is actually going to be something we're going to maybe start doing more regularly in 2019 when the show returns from its winter break. But we're going to do our Resistance recap in a standalone episode. Um, so yeah. So, the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, I believe, what was it, Nick, number 11? S1-11? Yes. Yeah, so we're 11 episodes into the first season. The show is on break now, uh, but fear not. If you're a huge Resistance fan, it was announced this week. We posted it on StarWarsTime.net, which, by the way, if you're a Star Wars Time show fan, you need to get with StarWarsTime.net because that's where the podcast is going to be hosted now. And we don't just do the podcast there. We post Star Wars news Thought pieces, Nick's got a little series, basically know your Star Wars, and he introduces a character in detail. Um, so all that fun stuff is over there. But what I was what I was going to tell you is Lucasfilm and Disney are going to be releasing Star Wars Resistance shorts. Uh, I believe the first three are out right now. You can find them on StarWarsTime.net. But the shorts are just going to be you know little vignettes to help f- fill the time in between uh e- s1 e11 which was station theta black the one that just aired this past sunday or when you're listening to this probably two sundays ago it doesn't matter no one's keeping score uh but they're 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 cool so resistance isn't gone completely until 2019 there's there's these little shorts to dig into so anyways nick uh the episode we're going to dive into like i said station theta black it was one of those episodes where Kaz spent the entire episode with the Resistance, which always means it's a pretty damn good episode, at least in terms of adding lore to the new trilogy. Yeah, these are the episodes that we really enjoy the most. I mean, there's a lot of fun to be had in some of the episodes where you're you're more, more focused on Team Fireball or anything like that, but... We really want to learn more about this First Order plot, what's going on, his mission for the Resistance to gather information and and then pass it on to Poe. And in this one, not only do we get all of that, he's working directly with Poe and he's off station. He's off the Colossus and they're doing a reconnaissance mission on a what they think to be a derelict um, First Order station. Uh, They think it's abandoned. They think nobody's there. But they're going to investigate this thing to see if they can find any type of information that they can pass on to the Resistance and then on to possibly the New Republic to say like, hey, look, the First Order is, is doing something here. They're, they're building up an army and something's coming. So in, in my opinion, this was probably one of the strongest episodes of the season so far, of the 11. 
Um, I don't think it's my favorite one, but there is a lot of good, uh, a lot of good information and a lot of good things uh, set up by this episode to move forward into the 2019 season. Uh, you know, the season continuation. So, uh, big, big fan of this episode so far. Yeah. So as Nick kind of quickly recapped, uh, th- this episode, we're, we're, the resistance is starting to see the fruit of Kaz's spying. Uh, so as we talked in the last recap, we knew we knew that Kaz intercepted the proposal that the First Order gave to Captain Doza, essentially to become the Colossus's protectors. Uh, he then transmitted that to the Resistance, and the Resistance, through their wizardry, they're able to find this data on this derelict station, which I think Nick said, but I just want to reiterate, is in the Unknown Regions again. Remember who comes from there and why he became the leader of the First Order. That's Snoke's grounds. That's He's from the Unknown Regions. We know Palpatine was looking into the Unknown Regions. That was part of his essentially scorched Earth policy at the end when he, when the Empire failed. He just wanted everything to blow up, but it had something to do with the Unknown Regions and all his bunkers and this, that, and the other thing. So I do like that they mentioned that, but... Like, like Nick said, anytime that Kaz gets in with the resistance, you know we're going to get some some good stuff. We, we, you know it's going to advance the overarching plot forward, which again is Kaz being a resistance spy on the Colossus to root out a First Order mole. And again, the Colossus is this fueling station. First Order obviously wants control of it. It's a, it's a resource station after all. Uh, but... You know, some episodes don't really touch on that. Others briefly advance it. These types of episodes, when it's usually Poe teaming up with Kaz, greatly advance that plot thread. So, like Nick, I was a a big fan of it. Wasn't a huge fan of its Easter eggs and franchise references. We'll get into those in a little bit, but there wasn't much. All right, so if you're new to this, again, every week on StarWarsTime.net on Monday, typically by Monday afternoon, they'll both be up. I do a video breaking down all of the Easter eggs and Star Wars franchise references in the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, and then I do a recap and review video. Uh, So this week I definitely had to work on the Easter eggs one. Lots of stretches in there. We'll get to it, but continuing on with the recap. So... Poe and Kaz, they meet up with General Leia. That was cool to see them. You know, it's always great to see Leia in any form. Uh, I also have to say, Nick, Oscar Isaacs may be the greatest new cast member at this point in time, I think. He, he brings it. and for... I mean, are you kidding me, right? I mean, the performance this guy gives in these episodes, and I believe this is his third full-length episode that a A-level Hollywood actor has sat down and done voice work for, and he fucking kills it. He does. Like, he could easily just kind of phone these in, sit in an ADR booth, and just kind of spout the lines out uh, like nothing. But he actually puts the work in, and he really brings the character of Poe Dameron as we see in the live-action films to life in this cartoon series. So I'm glad that... They didn't go with a voice match for him because oh, I, I love. I mean, it is fantastic that they locked those people in. I mean, they had to have hidden that in like Article Two, Section Three, Paragraph Five. Yeah. Like by the way, when you sign on for the movies, you're also signing on for any animated series we deem you necessary for. Because um, the only one, the only other one I believe to be featured this year has been Gwendolyn Christie and. By no means am I shitting on her performances. Captain Phasma has just been used sparingly in Resistance. I mean, we we got we probably got 
the most screen time of Phasma in Station Theta Black. Yeah, I think we probably have less than 10 minutes of total screen time for Phasma in all of the episodes, all 11 episodes so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, she is a, a very high-ranking First Order official. So, I mean, it, it makes sense for her to kind of stay in the background. And when she is seen, it is in more impactful moments, you know. seeing She is a mean her. motherfucker, though, isn't she? she I mean, she, she, like, she just busts balls. I mean, the, 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 I love that. Some of my favorite parts in this episode were her busting the balls of the troopers. Like, yeah. The, <laughs> no dummy. Shut up and do what I tell you. Yeah. One of the troopers was like, it's probably just scoundrels here. Like the First Order shows up on, you know, at the derelict station to to assess the state of these intruders. And the guy's like, oh, it's probably just, you know, smugglers or it's probably just uh, scavengers. And she's like, I said that we're going to look. And we're going to look. So shut the fuck up and do your job. Like, it, go around and find these people. I don't care if they're scavengers or not. Like, it's... We she, also kind of... We also got to see her, I think, for the first time in action. Like yeah. An actual gun battle. Yeah, it's... We... I don't... Yeah, we haven't even seen that really in... in not the in the movies. movies. I mean, TFA, nothing really. I mean, uh, on Jakku, she's just kind of there giving orders... And uh, in, in eight, I mean, she again given orders, and she has a, a little bit of a melee fight with Finn. But in this episode in particular, I mean, there, there's a straight up shootout and chase sequence uh, that kind of reminded me of the Death Star escape from A New Hope. Uh, you know, running through these Imperial looking hallways with guys in white armor shooting at good guys in like brown jack or pilot suits and this that and the other thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's. Point being, if you don't like this cartoon for whatever reason, like if you're still salty about TLJ or some dumb shit like that, like just get over yourself. Give this stuff a shot. I don't care if you want more of the Clone Wars. It's coming back. Some of you people need to realize like new Star Wars stuff is okay. Yeah, it's uh, the- if they call it an anime and that offends your your anime senses or your your manga manga stuff, get over it, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is a good show. I mean, eleven episodes in, I can tell you, I don't regret investing any time in. The, I don't regret investing the amount of time I've invested into it. Not, a, I watch each episode fucking twice. Then I spend about three or four hours each week making videos about it. It is worth it. And I mean, this this episode is is one that kind of highlights why it's worth it, right? This is the only show that we have right now. This is the only piece of content that we have right now that's filling in gaps. That's filling in gaps, you know, for the new trilogy. Exactly. I mean, in particular, uh, we, we really don't. If you think about it, outside of TFA and TLJ, the new trilogy era is pretty ripe for the picking. Oh yeah, uh, it, even ripe for you know explaining stuff. I mean, look. Uh, Mandalorian's kind of going to kind of be a bridge now. Uh, this show's kind of a bridge. I mean, I, I, I believe how many years before TFA is this show? Like, this is six, pretty seven, close. I think like it's that? I think it's six. We've looked it up before. Um, I'm not going to you know punch it up now because we're getting through the recap. But it is. It's very close. And I mean, it's still at the point as you brought up in, in this episode kind of highlights. Where the First Order is, I wouldn't say they're a myth in the galaxy. They're definitely known. Uh, but the, it's still not known how powerful they are. And, and so you're, you're starting to see like how the Resistance started to key in on the First Order's buildup of arms. And how they started to blow the, the, the whistles to the New Republic. 
this episode in particular, I mean, at the end. So I know we kind of skipped over some stuff, but basically Poe and Kaz go to this First Order station, which looks very much like Starkiller Base. It's built into essentially an asteroid. And what we ultimately find out was that the First Order was mining Deadlinite which in Star Wars land is a mineral used to create blasters. I don't know how that works, but it is Star Wars. It's not real, just in case you guys forgot. Um, and, you know, Phasma was going there to blow it up anyways because, you know, why they want to blow it up? They don't want anyone to know what the hell they're doing. So through this cartoon, we found out that it was Kaz who ultimately discovered that the First Order has stations set up around the Unknown Regions to mine minerals to build a massive war machine. Yeah, this is this is what we wanted to see prior to TFA. TFA, we come in and, you know, Starkiller Base is already a force and, and the, the full military might of the First Order is already there, but we never knew how it happened. And it did kind of seem a little weird. Like, how does this... How does this rogue faction within the New Republic, which is what the First Order started as, how do, how do they become the juggernaut that they are without there being a very clear open war between the New Republic? Well, and- I believe, wasn't there a ban on building up a fleet or, or arms or whatnot at, in the New Republic? There was, yeah. there was. I a, believe so. Yeah, there even like I'm not even talking like EU New Republic. I'm talking like Canon New Republic. Yeah, there was like no no system or no faction that was a part of the New Republic was allowed to have an individual military force that wasn't sanctioned by the New Republic. To my knowledge, I think that's how it worked. So the the fact that the First Order had built up this this army basically in secret. Um, was was very hard to believe and now we're seeing how they were doing it like they were yeah, doing these stealth they're, missions and stuff to get they were the hiding material. shit throughout the unknown regions you know the, 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 the unknown regions are unknown for a reason they're not charted they're not on the star maps they're not on the hyperspace maps i mean how the only reason the resistance found this was they, they picked out some data that kaz gave them from the proposal that they gave to doza yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of good information for you people out there who are looking for context into the new trilogy. There's a lot of good information here in the show, and we're only 11 episodes in, so you can expect that there's going to be some more good context given in further episodes, further seasons. Um, so yeah, well, even as it ends, Nick, we we learned from Leia herself why when we pick up everything in TFA, why no one's helping the resistance from the New Republic. I mean, she pretty much tells Kaz because he's like, oh, my dad's a senator. He'll, he won't stand for the First Order mining Deadlinite to make weapons. And she's like, you know what, buddy? Most of the senators are making money off of selling uh, war machine type of materials to this side, this side, that side. They ain't going to do shit. Yeah, and that's... And Kaz's like, no, I think they'll know it. I think they'll help now that they know the, the true purpose of what the First Order is up to. And as we come to find out... They they ignore Leia all up until a fucking laser beam comes in and blows up an entire, basically the entire New Republic. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, fucking, I hope everyone remembers that uh, the New Republic is decimated, obliterated in the Force Awakens when Starkiller Base unleashes. It's gone. 
Yeah. There is no New Republic in TLJ, and there's not going to be a New Republic in 9. It is toast. Yeah, the Hosnian system was it's basically their Coruscant. And when Coruscant gets blows, blown up, then everything's gone. Yeah. So that's what happened to the New Republic. I wish they would have cut to a shot of Leia sitting there, like, grinning and laughing. Like, I told you, it's you like, fucking idiots. It's like, nobody wanted to believe me. But, you know, going yeah. back to what you said about the, the New Republic Senate not not caring or not believing anything that they say about the first order that was number four on your easter eggs list this week and it also i mean like that harkens back to you know in a way it harkens back to like you said in in the new trilogy um the the first order building up because the new republic paid no attention or no mind to the information that was given to them and i also kind of made a connection there with the the senate within the the prequels in the ot i mean in the ot we hear that the prequels have been i mean the senate has been dissolved but in the prequels we see that the senate is essentially what gives rise to the empire and in a way by inaction the first order was you know was brought to prominence because of inaction by the new republic senate so no you're dead on i mean that that wasn't why i made it a reference in the list i mean in my head when i heard Lay explained that, you know, even senators in the New Republic Senate were profiting off of war and they probably wouldn't care who was buying weapons or making weapons. I instantly went to the conversations between Rose and Finn and Finn and DJ in The Last Jedi. I mean, Rose and Finn on Canto where she's pretty much saying like, nah, man, all these people, they're having a great time because they're rich, because they're profiting off of our wars, essentially. And then DJ reminds Finn like, hey, buddy. There is no really good or bad side in war. I mean, look look at this arms dealer. Oh, yeah, he's selling the First Order. But, hey, lo and behold, he's also selling you guys your X-Wings. Uh, but Nick makes a good point. I mean, it appears that Senates suck yeah. in the Star Wars universe. Also kind um, of in I, real life. but Yeah, yeah they kind <laughs> of suck here, too. So it, it just seems that Senates and their senators are going to get corrupted pretty easily. Yeah, so I mean, if we want to, we got three left on your Easter eggs list here, Matt. Yeah, I mean, we, we to... we've recapped the episode, and I think we both gave it our stamp of approval. I mean, it, I I agree. I, I wouldn't say it was the best, uh, but it was damn good in terms of pushing that overarching plot forward, which is my biggest my biggest want in this show. I mean, I'm all about having kind of the one off episodes here and there. They're they're fun sometimes to establish some lore of Resistance's own. Uh, but I, I do like when we get these kind of hardcore, all right, let's advance Kaz's mission or let's sprinkle in some interesting intrigue in the Kaz's mission here or there. Good episode. We recapped it. If you need more, trust me, I got a video I talked to you or you can read it. But get into the Easter eggs and references. So we've covered one reference, kind of a stretch. Uh, the, the only really pure Easter egg I found this episode, Nick, was at the very beginning. Uh, which I liked how they started with Yeager and Tam and basically reminding us all that Kaz is basically an incompetent idiot. Yeah. And pretty much everything in life. <laughs> I really am starting to like Kaz. He is. He's, he's, he's not your typical hero. He's not. And his naivety really makes his character. Exactly. So. Like, he's, he's, he's almost clumsy, dopey, but heroic and usually does the, the right thing. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes he kind of stumbles his way into into the right I answer. Can't, I can't or think of another main that he's similar to. 
It's hard. I mean, definitely nothing in Star Wars. I mean, the closest action-wise he is to any Star Wars character would probably be fucking Jar Jar, as blasphemous <laughs> as that is to say. I mean, if you... Um, <laughs> you know what? Nick is almost spot on, but please don't don't roll your eyes and go, fuck, if they just mention Jar Jar Binks and Resistance, I'll never touch it. Yeah. He's not like doing Husa, Musa, and Yisas and the bosses, Hunda Gasser and that type of shit. But he, um, he's like a clumsy hero. Yeah, he is. And it's different. It's something that you've never seen before in Star Wars. And not, you know, not for a main. Not for the main character. Not at all. No I mean, way. Not no in way, any man. of the movies. Not in Clone Wars. Not in Rebels. I mean, this is, this is a new type of hero. And it's definitely, like, it's definitely more kid-friendly, you know? With, with Anakin and Obi-Wan in Clone Wars, that was the, the, the animation style was kid-friendly. But the content of the characters yeah, was more serious. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Serious. I mean, there there are some of the um, like Saturday morning Saturday morning cartoon hijinks and resistance. You know, they're just usually like a little comedy beat and this, that, and the other thing. It's, it's just refreshing to have a hero who isn't your you know your defining. Yeah, like a uh, real gritty and burly and tough, manly, and never does anything wrong. Uh, so I so I like it. Anyways. The only Easter egg I found, and this is a cheat because I think we've seen this picture before, but the episode starts in Yeager's office. And behind him, you can see a framed picture of himself as a rebel pilot celebrating the end of the Battle of Jakku. Yep, yep. I think we have seen this before in another episode really early on. It might have been episode three or um, somewhere close to that. But we know that, that Yeager has a background as a rebel pilot and... But after that, like his, you know, his backstory has been filled in a little bit. We know that he was formerly a professional racer. Um, there was a tragedy when he was in a race with his brother, which got his entire family killed. But after that, you know, we kind of still have this gray area with with Yeager. And really, the only solid thing that we know is, you know, he is on the Colossus station and he is working with uh, with Poe to help, you know, keep. Kaz's mission under wraps because he was part of the rebellion and because he See, is that, a trusted that's, member. I want to know more about this guy because, I mean, if, if you've been listening to us, you've kind of heard my take on him. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that Yeager could be the bad guy. Uh, but as Nick pointed out, Yeager and Poe had a clear relationship before Poe brought Kaz to the Colossus. Yeah. And there is something that happened that has prevented Yeager from siding up with the resistance. I mean, you'd think a guy that fought with the rebellion was at the battle of Jakku would have followed Leia onto the resistance. But for one reason or another, this guy wants nothing to do with the resistance in terms of him directly helping them. But he is at least willing to kind of watch over Kaz keep his mission protected, cover form when needed, so on and so forth. So, Yeager, there, there's definitely a lot of intrigue to this guy. Yeah, 100%. I, he, out of all the characters on the show, he's the one that has the most left to explore, I think. And I'm really looking forward to when we kind of get into the meat of his storyline and, and really figure out what his motives are um, and what, what his real Right. I, I want to know his beef 
with the resistance? Like, is he one of these guys like Luke on Acto, where he's just like, hey, fuck it. Yeah, I'm done. Anytime I get involved, shit gets worse. I'm out. I'm done fighting. I've laid down my sword, one of those types of deals. Yeah. Or did something happen? Or is he the motherfucking First Order Mole? I don't know. I'm still going with that. I'm telling you right now, people, if you've been watching the show, following our recaps, or just looking at the videos, no way in hell Doza is the mole. No, yeah, it's too obvious. Doza is clearly, like, he's there for the kids to have somebody to be suspicious of. But if you Well, even Kaz, like, as we talked last week, I mean, we as the audience knows what's up. We know it's not Doza. I mean, we can tell Doza has no love for the First Order, but Kaz doesn't because he isn't privy to a lot of the things we've seen. And the things he has been allowed to see from Doza would definitely make him think that Doza is working with the First Order. Yeah, It's called good good storytelling. Yeah, I mean, uh, an Imperial officer's uniform in his closet. I I I can't wait to get more of that revealed. Yeah, that's... You you know that's coming up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's going to be some sort of confrontation between Kaz and Doza about that. That's definitely in in the works. But, um, you know, moving on to the next Easter egg. So, like like Matt said, to kind of preface this, you know, a little bit of reach here and there, but we got to try to fill the spaces in the Easter eggs. And this one is in, in reference to Station Theta Black's interior looking very similar to Starkiller Base. And, um, you know... You could say, oh, yeah, that's obvious. It's all First Order construction. It's very militaristic. It's going to be very uniform. But still, I mean, this looks eerily similar even in, like, the hallways, the way well, that Well, I the... mean, it, it it leads you to believe that these motherfuckers love building their structures into organic material. Exactly. Like, they have an... Like, I mean, Starkiller's a whole damn planet where this little mining station was, you know, just an oversized space rock. But th- these fuckers l- legitimately burrow into these celestial bodies, and throw then, up their their interiors, their shiny floors and geometric, you know, almost trapezoid-styled hallways and doorways, at, while leaving some of the natural structure in place as walls. I mean, the, as soon as I saw them land in Station Theta Black, is like, huh, their um, architect definitely left here and then went over to Starkiller base and whatever other rocks they were digging into. Yeah. And if you think about it, if you think about how the first order is operating now and, you know, up to the beginning of TFA, like they're an underground organization. Like they may have their, their stormtrooper lookalike garb and they may be very outwardly aggressive at some times, but they're still trying to work on the down low. And in order to do that, in order to have these types of facilities, you know, you would have to do it the way that they are inside of, you know, natural formations like planets, like asteroids, stuff like that. And th- it could also lead you to believe that after the destruction of Starkiller Base and their ultimate, you know, I guess you could say, you know, coming out party in the galaxy, maybe in episode nine, we see a more, ve- you know, a more obvious superstructure that's not built into something like an asteroid or a planet but well, yeah um, they, they may have their and we may not know it they, they may have their home planet yeah we, we just don't know yet i mean or maybe they don't maybe they have just been kind of transient migratory almost like nomadic in space you know they, they have their they have their celestial body 
outposts like star killer and theta black and and they don't really have a true home base which which would kind of make sense for a a faction hell-bent on killing everybody but didn't want to be found out that they wanted to kill everybody exactly yeah so i think it's a i think it's a good call out and i think it's a relevant call out because not only does it apply to this and does it apply to you know Starkiller base but it could also apply to things that we see in the future i mean there's i mean for an organization the size of the first order they they don't have two stations there is guaranteed to be more you know of these like you said transient style stations elsewhere in the galaxy you know we might see one in episode nine it's very possible and you know we probably will see some more in resistance so. Yeah, I, I have a feeling because some of the critiques from eight were that basically they're just on ships the whole time. I have a feeling we'll be going to more planets and feet touching Earth and that type of stuff in nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so we we may very well see where Kylo has shacked up the first order. Makes sense. It makes sense. Star Wars is always you know it's a space opera, but there's always a lot of terrestrial happenings in the star wars universe so um, i could almost see the fucker going back to mustafar dude i mean if him i mean what what happens to vader's castle i mean i i think that's ripe for some storytelling yeah i mean there's a lot of things that could happen here i i feel like this episode nine in particular is going to have a lot of movement between different planets for some reason i get the feeling that that people are looking for things in this movie Kylo is looking for something. Ray is looking for something. You know, Poe and Poe and Finn are looking for something. I feel like this is going to be a very migratory movie where people are jumping around to try to find something, whatever it is that they're looking. But for. Land- Lando's just pimping. Lando, yeah, Lando's on his the planet that he now he's owns. And- whatever he's doing, <laughs> he's pimping. Yeah, he's always wearing a cape too. You can it's guarantee. Pimpin ain't that. easy unless your name is Lando Calrissian. Yeah, yeah. All right, next up, and this is probably, I mean, you said that the the most obvious one was probably the Yeager picture. I would say that this is probably the most obvious reference at the very least. Maybe not Easter egg, but reference, and that is the way uh, the way Kaz saves himself from the Theta, uh, Theta Black explosion at the end of at the end of the episode is by hiding inside of an asteroid. Um, very similar to what Obi-Wan Kenobi did in episode two when he was running from Jango Fett. And then also, as we know, Han Solo did in episode five when he was running from the Empire. So that was a good call out. And I mean, you know it's it, funny, dude. I, I, when I first saw it, I instantly went to Han. I completely forgot that Obi was the one that patented the asteroid stick landing. Yeah, like he was at, he was actually stuck on the outside of the asteroid. Yeah. Like Han Sa- went the, you know. the exact same thing that Kaz does. Exactly, yeah. Like Han went inside of, you know, the the space slug's mouth. Um, well, I, I also pointed out Han did something similar where he sticks his ship to something, but it wasn't an asteroid. Was he sticks the, to a star destroyer. Exactly. Like pretty much, yeah, you know. He, it's he all to off. avoid something. It's all to avoid being seen or blown up. So yeah. they, they kind of fit for the, the, the reference I was trying to make. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Han still gets caught because, you know, Boba Fett's there waiting for him. But it, it is. It's very Because similar. Boba knew that trick because he was a little because kid. He, and he saw he Obi do Obi-Wan it. Obi-Wan did it. <laughs> so he, he thought about that, and that's how he knew it. Yep. It's all tied together, people. You see? 
George Lucas did know what he was doing with he the prequels. <laughs> Obi-Wan was a stoner on Tatooine. That's all. Exactly. He, he probably... smoked way too much Tatooine uh, kush. Yeah, and he just... It was Him a and little the sand people. Too chatty at the cantinas when he would go there. Gave yeah. up some of his secrets. But um, overall, I think, you know, you, you kind of called it out. This was very light in terms of references tough. and stuff like that. But... Um, you know, content-wise, I think is where this episode excelled. And we talked about it all. But I think it does. Like, 2019 is going to be a really good year for this show because we're past. We're now past the point where we have to get through, you know, a lot of exposition and, and, and setup and stuff like that. People know who the characters are. That's been established. We know what the mission is. That's been established. And now we can get into the meat of it. We can get into how this is going to affect the story of TLJ, TFA, and the new trilogy as a whole. And how, how, is, how are the things that Kaz uh, discovers in his missions going to be used by the Resistance to you know, maybe put them in a position to foil the First Order? Um, I, think, I think this was a strong episode, and it, and it has really good potential to set up 2019 in a strong way. Yeah, I just I, I guess at this point, and I don't know if you know, but I, I don't think we still know if this show is going to be more than a season or not. Yeah, I don't or, know or if it's been picked up. I mean, it was never. And if I missed it, it's my fault. I'll go cane myself after this. But I don't believe I've seen anything saying that the show's been picked up or it's going to continue on after 2019. The fact that it rolled out 11 in the first half of its first season leads me to believe it may be a full-run season of 20 episodes or more, mm-hmm. which is yeah. good. Um, I don't know if it's coming back. I mean, I don't know if this is just supposed to be one self-contained season story. There we go. Uh, I don't know if they're waiting on viewership numbers or what. Uh, I hope it comes back. I mean, I, I think there's potential for a few seasons of this show. Uh, but so far, so good. So uh, I think we've pretty much recap this bad boy we've reviewed station theta black we've dropped the easter eggs and references that you may have missed uh, is there anything we haven't covered with this in this recap my friend no i think we i think we covered it all stick around for the 2019 return of star wars resistance everybody yeah, so like I said, there's a good chance we may start doing these as standalone in 2019 when the show comes back. If not, they will be lumped into our, our flagship show, which is the main Star Wars time show where we just kind of sit around like uh, two idiots. Well, I'm the one idiot, usually drunk, yelling about the prequels. Nick's just kind of chilling. I don't know if he's like on some sort of tranquility pill or peace pipe, but he is definitely <laughs> even Steven. Um, but we'll be back. We'll be doing the resistance recaps in 2019 when the show returns. So hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully you've learned something. If you don't want to listen to us, of course, you can always get our resistance coverage on starwarstime.net. Uh, you'll, you'll find it on the homepage or in the feature section. You can't miss it. So until next time, my friends, may the force be with you always. Always.